Shalom Aleichem, and welcome to The Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Arun Vishwanat. Arun is the Yiddish translator of J.K. Rowling's worldwide bestseller, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So welcome. I, I kind of have a feeling that you've been fielding a lot of interviews. Uh, it's a runaway success of this newly released Yiddish edition of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, I understand it sold out in 48 hours? It's 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 been a whirlwind. Um, I I'm really excited about it, and uh, yeah, there's there's definitely been a lot of interest, and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Great, and I'm so glad that you're able to take the time to uh, join us here on the Schmooze today. Well, I'm happy to be here, and I'm an avid listener of the podcast. So this is a dream come true for me. So I confess that I'm uh, keenly aware of your family's connection to Yiddish. And in a recent issue of Puck and Trigger, Aaron Lansky interviewed your mother about the release of the Comprehensive English Yiddish Dictionary, which was based on the work of your grandfather, Mordecai Schachter. I wonder if you could just share a little bit about your Yiddish roots. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I guess... The best way to, to describe it is that my family has been involved with Yiddish in some way uh, for three or four generations at this point um, in terms of sort of actively uh, promoting the culture or, or creating poetry and song uh, or in lexicography uh, or in, in, in music and choral music and, uh, and teaching Yiddish. So I, I feel very close to the language. Uh, I was raised with my two sisters speaking Yiddish with my mother and everybody on my mother's side of the family, including cousins and aunts and uncles. Um, and with my father, uh, we grew up speaking in Tamil, which is a language of South India. Um, and that was very much the sort of the, the reigning two languages of our home. And it was really only until I started kindergarten, I guess, that I started speaking English. A rumor has it that we kind of sounded like Eastern European immigrants uh, as, we, as we entered school. Um, but yes, the, the, those two languages have remained very close to my heart uh, from a young age. So what possessed you or drove you in the direction of translating this work? Yeah, um, I mean, I think one overarching thing that I would say is that having been raised with Yiddish, um, in a world where most uh, people outside of the Hasidic world don't speak Yiddish anymore, um, I definitely felt this uh, this push of, you know, w- what am I going to do with this? Speaking it is it's wonderful, and singing in it and and experiencing it is great. But is there a way in which I can create? Um, is there a way in which I can bring something into the world? Um, and uh, I'll confess, I'm not, I, or at least I wasn't, the biggest fan of Harry Potter. Um, but my Holly is she has read and reread every book in the series many times. Um, and one day she turned to me and she said, "Are you really thinking of uh, of raising children in this language when the world doesn't even have a Yiddish version of Harry Potter?" Um, and you know, I think she was saying it half seriously, half jokingly. But um, that night I sat down and I got started, and uh, and it went from there. I do think it's going to encourage a lot of people to use use the translation to sort of better their Yiddish. If you know, it just it's it's really interesting, and it. I'm also reminded. I think that the book has gotten a lot of play um, because it is 
it's fun and it's surprising. And who would have thought that there would be a Yiddish translation of Harry Potter? But there's also a little bit of history, I think, to English literature being translated into Yiddish because there was an audience of readers who could only read in Yiddish and wanted to read things like War and Peace, which was translated into Yiddish, The Jungle Book, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Origin of the Species, and King Lear, all part of our collection. And I wonder if you think about that at all in terms of your kind of, you know, bringing this into the 21st century with a Harry Potter or an eager audience of Yiddish readers. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting about the, the comparison is uh, Yiddish has this very, very long history and, and tradition of being a medium for translation, starting from you know early Bible translations, uh, the Chumash Teich, um, and then in the early 20th century, bringing works of world literature to the masses who only spoke Yiddish. Um, and although I, I, I do certainly think it's the case that this is uh, very different in that I'm bringing... Uh, Harry Potter to an audience that largely is already familiar with the work, and I do see it as a great opportunity for people to hone their Yiddish skills. Um, you know, it's it's definitely um, it's an honor to to be to feel like I'm a part of that tradition, um, but sort of doing it in a very 21st century way. Sort of like the dictionary is very 21st century. We use it all the time um, when we're looking for new words in Yiddish. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Um, So it was hard to wrestle with some of the terminology, some of the words, some of the names. Can you share a little bit about, uh, you know, the hard parts, the easy parts, the more creative interpretations? Yeah. um, You know, I think one of the most challenging things about rendering a text like this is really twofold. One is that the voice of of the narrator, you know, J.K. Rowling's voice, it is uh, very, feels very familiar to the modern reader, um, but it is one which is directed towards young adults, um, which is, you know, it's very much in this fantasy novel tradition. Um, and that's not something that Yiddish has had a lot of opportunity to sort of to develop in. And so at the same time as I was developing my own voice as a Yiddish writer, because I haven't done a ton of Yiddish writing before this, I was also trying to figure out, well, how do I, how do I transmit J.K. Rowling's voice, the voice of the narrator, um, in a way which, which sort of comes across naturally and doesn't sound stilted. Um, but I think even more than that, the challenge for me was uh, Yiddish is such a Jewish language. Uh, and although Harry Potter is by no means a, a Christian work, it is very much set in this Christian European fantasy tradition. Um, and how do you render something that is so not Jewish uh, into a language which is so Jewish? And what are the what are the risks? Uh, do you how do you make the the text uh, submit to the language, or how do you make the language submit to the text? So, so there is definitely some challenges there. Most creative word. Most creative word. Um, or name. Well, right? I, I some of the, the names. Yeah. What's that? Or maybe one of the names. Anyway, go ahead. 
think maybe okay well the I, I talked about um, my translation of Quidditch in, in the news articles um, which I had a lot of fun with um, I, I initially thought well you know Quidditch Quidditch that that could sound that sounds Yiddish right um, but I realized that there's this saying in Yiddish as Gottwilschistabesen which means uh, it literally means if God wills it a broom could shoot it, it probably is a uh, it, it's an older saying which means that even a broomstick could bloom but um, it, it, it essentially means anything is possible um, and so I thought well what, what could be better than translating uh, Quidditch as that and so Asgottville Shistabesim became Shistabesim. Um, so that was, that was definitely a fun one, which I felt was very much uh, within the framework of, of Yiddish tradition and, and uh, folk wisdom. Uh, I think another one which uh, I, I really enjoyed was Slytherin, which is the name of one of the houses at the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Um, there were a couple of challenges. One is that Slytherin obviously is a reference to the English word slither, um, so that's not a Yiddish word. Um, and then you also have this the sound, which is represented by the th, which Yiddish doesn't have either. So I I knew that slitherin was that would not be uh, I would not be happy with that. Um, and so I was trying to find a word which would maintain the same overall shape and give the same taste, um, but feel Yiddish. Um, and after a while, I, I figured out that, uh, well, I could call it Samdarin, which kind of sounds like Slytherin, and it's a combination of the words Sam, which means poison, and Dirin, which means therein. So it means something like there is poison within. Uh, so those, those are two of the ones that I had fun with. Did you have a lot of people weighing in as you did it? Did you test some of this out? Uh, I did definitely uh, check with, my uh, my wife on a lot of these things. Um, I had an amazing team of editors. Um, uh, one of my editors is Janko Peretz Blum, uh, who is uh, a close friend of mine and a Yiddish expert. Um, my mother as well uh, edited the text, um, and so she brought her linguistic expertise. Um, I also had uh, my, liter- my little sister Malkalea read over the text, um, and there were definitely a couple of times where she was like, ah, that, <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, so I, I definitely got some really good feedback and uh, helped me hone the translation overall. And you created a kind of massive glossary. Yes? Yeah, so I, what I essentially tried to do was use words that could be uh, referenced in uh, the the um, the most recent Yiddish English dictionary. Uh, the, the English version is by Bainfeld and Bachner, um, and I believe the the original is by uh, by Naborski and Weisbrot. That that's the French version. Um, but I kind of I didn't want people to have to be constantly wondering, well, what the heck is this word? Um, so I tried to stick to words that would be in that dictionary. But uh, to the extent that I had to get creative and use words that might not be in the dictionary. I did add those to the glossary, uh, which can be found on the website of the book. Um, but I, I tried to make it in a way that readers would be able to sort of stay within the text and not have to run off every five minutes and look something up. Thank, thank you for all of the readers. Um, and I 
gather from a, well, I guess you were emailing back and forth with Sam Brivik, who works with me. He's the schmooze coordinator and many other things here at the Yiddish Book Center. And he mentioned that you used our OCR software that was developed with uh, Safirelli. Um, and I'm desperately curious to ask you about that because we're trying to get anecdotal information. So what did you find related to your searches for the book? Well, I am, I'll be the first to say I'm the biggest fan of, of the tool. Um, I actually was one of the beta users. Uh, Dr. Urielli reached out to me via email about uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago. I'm not sure how he knew that I would be interested in it, but somehow he knew. Um, and he said, well, why don't you try this out? And until that point, I had been using Google Books, um, but it's very much an inflexible tool. And and every time Google changes their algorithm, uh, my strategies have to change. And so I tried out uh, the the tool that uh, Dr. Urielli had developed. And after about five minutes, I was hooked. Um, because not only did it open up all of the texts that are in the Yiddish Book Center's digital archives, um, but it also allowed me to search for specific words or specific forms of words or even specific spellings of words. Um, and that really, really, uh, it, that really accelerated my ability to research specific terms um, as well as to get a sense for what different Yiddish dialects sound like. Um, and I, I honestly, I would not have been able to, to do this project uh, without the Yiddish Book Center and, and without that tool. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, well, it's a surprise to hear this and delighted. Um, yeah, OCR is proving to be an incredible tool. What a soft built. Um, uh, we were lucky enough to work together um, to bring this out is really cool. I mean, people are just like dipping in, you know, you toss a word in there and see what comes back and Everybody's kind of surprised because you couldn't read these books if you had a whole lifetime to read them um, to find That's right. this. Yeah. So, um, so it informed some of your word choices, and also did it give you and it gave you some contextual um, sort of. I'm struggling here, but it sounds like using the books helped to inform some of the way that you came at this material in terms of the translation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just to give sort of a very simple example, um, the word for magic in Yiddish is kishif. Um, and so I was able to just go into the tool, type in the word kishif, and get every single book where that word shows up. And of course, many times magic is used metaphorically, but that also gave me access to specific texts um, that did deal with magic, um, whether they were Yiddish folk stories or... Um, you know, uh, or even sort of like proto-fantasy genre stuff that was being published in the early 20th century. Um, and that helped me align myself with whatever, whatever precedents have already been set um, and allowed me to get a sense for how people have, have, uh, have felt these, these words and their various nuances uh, over the course of time. Um, so, again, totally indispensable tool. So I think this must have been something of a Herculean undertaking um, and one that, you know, sort of went from concept to publication. Are you surprised by it, or could you ever have imagined that you would get to this place? Um, I, I knew that I would eventually finish the book, 
Um, but there were definitely times in the middle where I wasn't sure because it it took it only took me a year to translate. Um, but the editing and working together with my amazing team um, to edit it um, and to to typeset it, um, which my my brother-in-law Jamie Conway did, um, I, I honestly there were times where I wasn't sure, um, and I also wasn't really sure what the reception was going to be like. Um, I know that people love Harry Potter. Um, I know that people love Yiddish, um, but I kind of didn't want to keep my I didn't want to set my hopes too high. Um, so I am very pleasantly surprised by the reception that it's received. Uh, certainly the fact that we sold out the first run of a thousand copies in 48 hours. And uh, I think we have made a significant dent uh, in terms of the second edition as well. So um, I am I'm very thankful uh, and happy that a lot of people are excited about the book. And I hope that that excitement continues to mount as more people hear about it. And I hope that it uh, becomes a, a way for people to connect with Yiddish in a new way and maybe practice their Yiddish. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see this summer, um, our Steiner summer Yiddish students, I, I kind of imagine them walking back and forth to the dorms in the evening with a copy because it's how better to, um, yeah, sort of improve your Yiddish in a new way. So what's next? Wow. <laughs> what's that? What, what's next? What is next? I've started Chamber of Secrets. So that is the second book. Um, I'm well aware that the books get longer as the series goes on. Um, so I am not committing to anything beyond, uh, beyond the second book. So we'll see. Um, I've definitely been thinking about some other books that I might want to translate. Um, I actually did translate this charming little uh, Faroese language children's book about a a little puffin that's expecting a younger sibling. Um, and that's called Gewald, which means mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness. And uh, that's actually going to be published this summer by Kinderloschen, which is a different Yiddish publishing house, uh, actually based in New York, uh, run by Jugendtrophies for Yiddish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about uh, the stuff that I've already been able to work on. And uh, I'm trying to temper my expectations because uh, I have not quit my full-time job. I work at a startup. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what the future brings. Well, I have to say it's a heck of a way to get somebody to read Harry Potter. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for joining us today and for everything you did to bring this to publication. It is um, tremendous, wonderful, and you might even convince me to learn to read in Yiddish. A great dank for having me, and uh, and I look forward to future episodes. Great. You've been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. For more on Yiddish and Jewish culture, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. Today's podcast was coordinated by Sam Brivik and produced by Sarah Blakefeld. Be well, be healthy, and tune in again soon. Mm-hmm.